This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour two, Sportsnet today. Rolling on from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. Flames 2 1 winners Tuesday night over the LA Kings. Pulling within two points of the Winnipeg Jets for the final wild card spot in the West. Jets do the Flames a favor, fall 3 0 to the San Jose Sharks. And all of a sudden, next week's matchup between the Flames and the Jets gets that much more interesting. Still three games to go for the Flames before that matchup in Winnipeg. A couple wins here against some non-playoff teams. And you can start to see a bit of that light at the end of the tunnel again if you're a Calgary Flames fan today. Uh, Still to come this hour, Toronto Blue Jays regular season baseball kicks off tomorrow. Their season opener in St. Louis, a battle of the birds, Taylor. This happens all the time in baseball. Cardinals, the Orioles. What team doesn't have a bird? The Sox. And even then we get the battle of the Sox a couple times a year. There's a lot of birds in baseball. Did you know that? There's quite a few birds. There's lots of... Lots of baseball birdie things going on. We'll have uh, our first Battle of the Birds tomorrow. And we'll have it for you right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan, by the way. Alec Manoa and the Jays kicking things off against the Cardinals. 2-10 first pitch. We will take you to Blue Jays pregame at 1 and we'll bring you the entirety of the Jays and Cardinals season opener for the Toronto Blue Jays uh, tomorrow. But uh, to give us a little bit of a season preview, uh, we'll chat with Roger Lajoie from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto, a little bit later on this hour. Before we get there, though, we talked a lot of Calgary Flames uh, to start the program. And I wanted to talk about one individual in particular this segment, and we'll use the fan feedback line as we always do here on Sportsnet today at 960-960. Is Jacob Markstrom back in your mind? And I'll ask my outstanding production team of Cam and Taylor the same question. But before we get there, we will hear from Brent Cron, our uh, NHL goaltending guru analyst of course former first round pick of the calgary flames star goaltender for the calgary hitman uh all things goaltending with Cron. he joined maddie and george on the morning show a little bit earlier today and they spent a couple minutes on jacob marstrom so i want to play that for you while you get your text in at 960-960 he has been at the top if not the top issue 
more Flames fans for most of the season. And it's been understandable from my perspective why that's been the case. He was, by voting, the second best goaltender in the league last year. He was a Vesna Trophy runner-up. He broke his, we thought at one point he might have a chance at breaking the franchise record for shutouts last year that was held by Mika Kippersoff. It was not a great start to the year for Jacob Markstrom. He was battling it. Uh, I was there in the locker room. I, I asked him the question that got so much run on social media about, you know, where is his confidence level at? It wasn't even that that, that gave us that quote. Remember the the I suck at hockey right now clip, Taylor? Do you remember that one? How could I forget? Yeah, that started. I asked him about, it was against uh, a game against your Habs, by the way, where he had a bit of a, a I'll call it a running into of uh, with Josh Anderson on a play where they were sort of chirping at each other. It led to Markstrom. Uh, it led to one of his teammates getting involved and, taking a penalty that was untimely and wound up costing the Flames in a lot of ways. And I had asked Jacob about that post-game, and he kind of, eh, it wasn't really anything with with Anderson. I just suck at hockey right now. And that was the lowest of lows for Jacob Markstrom this season. But he wasn't wrong. He was not near the level that the Calgary Flames had expected of him, and he was going to be the first one to own that. But the last three weeks for Jacob Markstrom have felt different. I don't know why. I don't know what reason he would give you as the top reason that he looks more like himself. But last night to me was as key an example that one of the flames best and most important players is back. It could be as simple as the head coach came to him and like he announced to us in the media a couple of weeks ago and said, look, the ball is yours. We're going to play you as much as we can and win, lose, draw. Well, I guess they don't do draws, overtime loss, shootout loss, whatever. We're, we're going to go back to you again the next game. So get ready for it, and we need you to be that guy. It could be as simple as that for Jacob Markstrom that – gave him that boost of confidence back in his game. But last night to me was just classic Jacob Markstrom in a Flames jersey. He was never pelted with pucks at any point in time. He was never really under duress for long periods of time. The Kings never had long stretches of possession in the offensive zone to create havoc around Jacob Markstrom. But every time the Flames needed him, he was there. And it's not just the the Kevin Fiala one is one that you'll hear Cron talk about with the guys, and that's a it's a great example. And it's a it's an easy one to point to, but that's you want your goalie to save that one all the time. It's for me the early giveaway five minutes into the game that leads to Andre Kopitar having a great burst of speed down the wing that Jacob stops with his glove hand early on and lets his team breathe a bit, get their feet into the game, and then find themselves up one nothing instead of chasing the game. That, to me, the timely saves and when he makes them are the indicators that I think Jacob Markstrom is back or as close to back as he might be this season. 
The fan feedback line is open to you, 960-960. We'll get to your text in just a moment. But uh, a man that would know much better observing the goaltending position than I, one Brent Cron, our goaltending guru. He's the guy that we always go to when we talk goaltending. He joined Rustic and Rose on the morning, uh, this morning on the big show, to chat about Jacob Markstrom. It's a bit of a longer one, uh, but some good points raised here by the guys uh, on uh, Jacob Markstrom and what Brent Cron has seen of them the last couple of weeks. When you're a goaltender and the guy has essentially a penalty shot, when do you see in an NHL regular season game where he literally stopped to shoot the puck to try to get Marstrom off his timing? How tough is that as a goaltender when you see a breakaway coming with the guy with that much time to try to beat you? It is awful. I mean, when, when the shootout first started, I remember uh, we one of the first ones I ever did, the guy basically came to a grinding halt and just slowly inched his way forward. And that's legit. You can do that. You can, your mind explodes. I mean, for me, it was. I yeah. couldn't sit there and wait. It just drives me insane. And when they grind it down like that, it's one of my pet peeves. I see it and I want to punch a hole through the TV. Mm. I think that's Bush League. It's a Bush League move. Mm. And, and as a goaltender, you, you're stuck now. And then you just move really quick and you can, you're, you're, you're toast half the time. Oh, the Evgeny Kuznetsov shootout attempts. Oh. They drive me absolutely And then they nuts. go really far out wide, and then they come back in, and the airplane comes back into the middle of the ice, and it goes it's off It's like to a the left blimp, side. though. It's not moving like <laughs> an know, airplane. Zeppelin? Yeah. And, and, and you're just sitting like this. You should just be able to skate away. You know, what yep. the goalie should be able to do to combat that is just leave the net, and then it's no goal. You know, if he's out of his crease, if he just skates out, we have to do it over again. Put a clock on. Make, yeah. him, make him run from somebody. Something and like that. Put someone it, on the blue line. Eight seconds. Eight seconds works for me. I like that. Eight seconds. It's like you're running a bull. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you don't get a point for lasting eight seconds either, yeah. right? But yeah. you know, you have you have eight seconds yeah. to get your move off yeah. and get that out of there. That's that's the plan. Sidebar, if you ever if you ever down a YouTube rabbit hole, uh watch videos of Bodacious, which is the most fearsome bull of all time. They had to retire him because he hurt so many bull riders. All right. And the one guy uh, got his face broken by Bodacious. And he drew him the next time his first rodeo back, and he just tipped his cap and goes, I can't ride him again. <laughs> so if you're ever bored, uh, look up Bodacious. Bodacious the, the most bull. fearsome uh, bull ever. Uh, I wanted to ask you, what's tougher uh, as a goaltender in the NHL? Because Maddie and I talked about it. A couple of those saves Marshall made last night on deflections were just insane. Yeah. What's tougher, those stops or the Kevin Fiala penalty shot breakaway? Kevin Fiala breakaway. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, 100%. Because you know what? When you're on, too, though, like, like Markstrom is. Or it's just you, a reaction. It, it, it's just there. It hits you. Yeah. You're, you're in the zone, right? A lot of times, those just go in, right? But when it hits you and it hits your glove, or you hit, you're like, oh, wow, what a save. What a, a remarkable save. Yeah. But you're in the zone. You stop those. When you're in the zone and Fiala comes in on you like that, yeah, it basically just makes you fall apart. What's the ideal first shot for a goaltender to face? Is it something That's really, really low danger from like the way outside? Is it something medium to maybe get the juices flowing? Point like shot. obviously not some point shot. Yeah, you can see the whole way and get a feel for the. Get a feel for the puck. Yeah. You know, and, and and that's the thing too. Like we were discussing earlier, there's certain goaltenders you can tell that, you know, first five minutes of a game, you're either in or you're not. And and you know, we talked about it with Markstrom where, you know, you see when he's super busy in the net right off the start and he's jumping around, he's bouncing around, you're like, Oh, it might be a game that's settle down, settle, but, right? settle down, but. or or you know, uh there, there's there's few goaltenders. I mean, Vasilevsky's another really good goaltender where he can let in two or three goals right off the start and not let in a thing for the rest of the game right yep. like it's a guy a guy like him you don't really worry about because he's just going to be good every night 
But for 90% of the goaltenders at any level, with NHL all the way down to whatever beer league hockey game you're playing, usually you can tell within the first couple minutes if the guy's dialed in or not. Um, when it comes to Markstrom, what's what? And obviously, March has been uh, really good outside of a couple games for Markstrom, but that wasn't all on him. That was a lot on the team too. But what what's been the biggest difference you've seen with him in that? He's calm. Mm-hmm. You, you know, he's not. You can just it, when you watched him for the first three quarters of the season, you could see how busy his mind was. Like you just looked at him, and everything about him just seemed tense. You could see him. I mean. I might be exaggerating a tad, which I've been known to do, but you can see him almost arguing with himself be, mm. behind the helmet. You, you look at him, he's shaking his head, he's skating around, he's taking some water. He's Anytime there's a shot, he's almost he's pushing way too hard, he's coming out too far, and then he's going to scramble backwards. It's like he knows where he is in the net now, which is obviously very important for a goaltender. And he's in the right spot, and there's no panic. Like you don't, He makes a save. Early on in the season... It looked like it was an accident. Like he, he's there, mm-hmm. but you know he, he's he's got holes. His arms were wide out. His pucks were going through him. Five hole. Like he was always in position to stop the puck, but mentally he wasn't sharp. Is is that just confidence, or is that an aha moment he has in practice? That's confidence. That it just ha- it just comes right. Like practice is great, and you can get reps in practice. You can go out there work with the goalie coach, take shots to the blocker. You know, put yourself in situations where you can build confidence through that. And they always say, you know, you got to get back to the drawing board. Go back to the basics, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. But it, it's got to click in a game. You know, practice is great. You can feel good in practice. I, I had some of my best games when I had the worst pregame skates or the worst warm-ups because you just felt like you weren't good and you had to be ready. So mm-hmm. for, for a guy like Markstrom, as, as much as he struggled this year, he he just looks comfortable. And, mm-hmm. and comfortable is usually kind of a dangerous word for guys, but in goaltending, if you're comfortable, it's, it's not a it's it's a really good thing because things come at you, and he just he's just he's there, and and he's smooth, and he's not he just doesn't look tense. Is that even more of a testament to how much uh, mentally he's stronger in net now? Because he's a guy he's emotional. We saw him breaking his stick in that game against uh, the Stars, where he just smashed his stick and it flew away. And he's done that a couple occasions this season because he's emotional and he's such a fierce competitor. He wants to win. Like that guy's in there, but then he can kind of have that switch where he's been looking calm, like we saw last night against the Kings. It takes a lot out of you to be that emotional. It, yeah, it, it really, really does. And you know, people in your life that you know, just are you they get mad at a drop of a hat, they lose their marbles. Like and, Alex, like right. he's a firecracker. I, I, you know, I, I see him immediately, and he's yeah. got 19 cups of coffee, and he's shaking his knee, right. and he's just losing his mind. Yeah. You just know he's going to crack at some point. Yeah. He's like a stick of dynamite. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yep. Um, but that takes, a, that, that takes a toll not only on yourself as a goaltender, but on your teammates. And when you know that you have that level of emotion, and he's breaking sticks. Like, you know, after they lose, you can see the guys now. They don't, they let him come through, and there's a lot of room for him to, to come to come through. Right? <laughs> like shrapnel you, you don't know there, if yeah. he's going to break a stick over the boards or lose his mind, you know, and, and the guys just kind of know that. And just, I would like to see him, even when they lose, not do that because it, it does have an effect. His teammates know he cares, right? He obviously, like, we all know he cares, but breaking your stick doesn't mean you care, mm-hmm. right? And, and and he's like we've discussed. He's he's very emotional, and for him to be successful, I just think he needs to get those emotions a bit more in check. And and well, when you're having success and you're playing as well as he has, you don't have to worry about the emotions. Those are fun emotions. He's smiling. He's having a great time. When things are bad, it can have a you know it, it runs through the team, right? Like if negative, guys can feel it. Positive guys can feel that too. That is Brent Cron, regular voice here on Sportsnet nine sixty.
joining Russick and Rose on the big show this morning, chatting all things Calgary Flames, but a good chunk of that there on Jacob Markstrom and what he's seen from him the last couple of weeks. And it was a question I asked to the text line at 960-960. We feel like Jacob Markstrom is back to being Jacob Markstrom that we know and and love. And he's been so good the last couple of weeks. The game against Minnesota, of course, comes to mind. I think last night against the LA Kings, you're talking about one of the peak performances for number 25 on the season. And it couldn't come at a better time for the Calgary Flames. If they were ever going to get this thing turned around and in the direction of a playoff push, it had to come from the goaltender. And I think given how Jacobs played the last couple of weeks, you know how things are going to go most nights. Now, the interesting question will come next week when you have back-to-backs in Calgary and then into Winnipeg. That will be the interesting one because you have Chicago at home on a Tuesday. You then have Winnipeg in a game that could mean your entire season on Wednesday, do you go to Markstrom back-to-back? Do you feel comfortable giving Vladar that start against Chicago? Markstrom's just been so good of late, and I think it's been such a, a key part of this Flames push the last couple of weeks to get into this playoff picture. A couple of goal, a couple of texts, excuse me, at 960-960, one from Mike and Airdrie. And this is, this is one that I think does play into it. I don't know how much it plays into it, uh, but Mike pointing out that, yeah, it seems he started to play better after the birth of his child. And that did come a couple of weeks ago for Jacob and his partner. And that's obviously one of those things that we don't talk about all the time in sports is the real life aspect of it. You have no idea what was going on with the pregnancy, how much of that weighed on Jacob to to become a father, uh, to finally have that out of the way and to have baby at home, happy and healthy with mom is, is such a key thing. It wouldn't surprise me, Mike, if that was a really big factor for Jacob. You have so much going on in your mind. He's already such a competitive guy. He's already so hard on himself. You take in something as serious as having your first child. Could that throw you off for a couple of months as a pro goaltender? I think it absolutely could. There will be some that say that's an excuse. I don't think that's an excuse. I think that's just real life. And I think that's the side of the players that we don't always see and don't always talk about and um, you know bring up when it comes to, to game performance because Jacob's not going to use that as an excuse for his play, so why would we? But yeah, I do think it matters. Uh, this text says, didn't Jacob's uh, father pass away just before the season started? I think I've read an Eric Francis article on that. That would be enough to throw anyone off of their respective game. Um it's been so long now. I can't remember if that's exactly um, what had happened or not. But yeah, if that's, again, if that's the case, it just goes back to what we're saying about those things that you don't always get to hear about or think about on the day-to-day for professionals that can change your life for a couple of months. And you need time to adjust and you need time to heal mentally. And I don't always know that the grind of an NHL season gives you that opportunity. Um, this text says, I get a feeling you can tell if a goaltender's feeling it just by watching them in warm up. Markstrom's been so strong in warm up the last couple of games. You can tell he's going to have a good game just by watching him 
in the first five minutes when they come onto the ice. Yeah, and that's an interesting one too because the as you heard from Brent Cron there in that clip, there's so many things that go into playing into the confidence of goaltenders. Right? It could be maybe you do have a bad warm up here and there, and you get a couple more past you than you would like to, and you've already had a bad stretch of games, and that starts you off in a bad direction. Um, I, I I don't know if that's the case, but yeah, I think it's it absolutely could be one of those indicators. I think that's probably something that Jacob and the goaltending department in Calgary would key on more than than a casual observer would, but yeah. Uh, this text 960960 says, Cron once said he felt Markstrom thrived on lots of work. Does he still feel that way? And did Sutter telling him he was going to finish the season make a difference? I think it did. I think Jacob's always been that kind of guy that wants to play as much as possible and the back and forth of will he start, will they go to Dan Vladar for 10 days? He's never been a bad teammate in that sense where he would be upset or causing a stir because he wasn't getting the bulk of starts for a while during the season, but you know it's something that would eat at him. That's just the guy that Jacob Markstrom is. And he would be doing everything possible to get back to that point. So, yeah, I think having an extended workload, I mean, not an extended workload, but a, let's call it a regular workload, would be something that benefits uh, Jacob Markstrom. And then there's these two texts to finish it off. And Taylor, this is always why the text line is so much fun. Uh, and you guys, you go wherever. I'm not getting involved in this. You guys go wherever you want with this. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll base my opinion on it, but I won't dive into it. This text says, don't make excuses for Markstrom. Having a child is not a special adjustment for a hockey player. We all deal with it. The very next text that comes in says, as a guy who's had three kids in the last two years, it is such a relief when they're born healthy and have no issues. Um, it makes a difference for every single person, pro hockey player or not. I feel like if you are, I, in my mind, I feel like people think that NHL players or pro athletes are on this different level of things and that don't really regard them as normal human beings. Like they make all this money and they don't have real people problems, but that doesn't change the fact that if you are going through a huge life change, like having a child, it's, it's I think big. that's a special adjustment. Am I it's wrong? Big. I've never had, I've never had kids. Brody's got, six of them so he could tell us better than anybody but <laughs> he's running to a mic he's so upset <laughs> what <laughs> nothing don't worry about it <laughs> nice to see you pal great to be here i'm probably on the beat go oh you know yeah pretty good that's great nice out so people were down to chow with that's me the, but that's great uh local dad alex brody joining us <laughs> um i'm kidding he doesn't have any kids that he knows of um, that he knows of? What? Sorry. Uh, yeah, look, again, there, there's a dad, you know, texting in that says, you know, hey, it, it does make a difference. And I'm with you, Taylor. I don't think that just because he plays pro hockey or 
you know, like you said, makes a lot of money or anything that it excludes him from having those same worries or issues or that they shouldn't be. And again, I'm not even making that as an excuse for him because I know he wouldn't and he hasn't. It'd be very easy for Jacob to have come out or any NHL to come out and say, Hey, look, you guys have no idea what I have going on at home. You know, my wife's going through pregnancy complications or just general pregnancy in its own, right? Is, is a stressful thing. It's not easy for guys to jump away for 10 days to go play hockey and you're worrying about family life at home. Again, I'm not using it as an excuse, but when you tie things together, as a couple people have on the text line and said, look at how comfortable and more like Jacob Markstrom has looked since baby's been happy and healthy at home. Yeah, I, I, again, how much of that plays into it? I don't know, but would I say it plays a factor in it? Absolutely. And I think that he's probably so much more comfortable and has so much less on his mind for a guy that already puts so much pressure on himself. I think it's just a good news story for the Calgary Flames all in all that he's back looking like himself and could be a, a major factor if if this team makes uh, an even more, uh, in, I don't want to say impassioned, but I'll say an even bigger push towards a playoff spot over these next couple of weeks. We'll see what happens. Uh, but Jacob, great last night, and uh, I think goes without saying, likely to get the start Friday against his old team, the Vancouver Canucks. We'll uh, break, come back on the other side, give you a bit of a Blue Jays season preview with Roger LeJoie, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Coming up next, Jays and Cardinals kick off the regular season on Thursday. We'll take a look at what's ahead for this Jays team coming up around the corner here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Blue Jays baseball is officially back tomorrow. No more spring training. The grind of a full season begins in St. Louis for Alec Manoa. And the Toronto Blue Jays will have it live for you here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. With pregame starting at 1 o'clock, first pitch just after 2.10 in St. Louis, Jays and Cardinals. And what a perfect time to uh, go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon to chat all things Blue Jays ahead of their season opener. Uh, very happy to uh, join the program this afternoon is uh, Roger Lajoie from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. Roger, thanks so much for doing this as always, sir. How are you? I am great. I hope you're well, Logan, and my pleasure, sir. Uh, we're doing great here. Thank you. Uh, looking forward to tomorrow. I imagine uh, it's the same feeling for you and a lot of people out there in Toronto. You know, uh, baseball's opening day should be a national holiday, Logan. <laughs> that's what I think. I think, never mind family day, uh, start of the baseball season. I think we get a lot of momentum going for that if uh, if we want to create that. There's no doubt the uh, the excitement is great. And listen, when all seasons start, it's terrific, Logan. But baseball has a, a special place in a lot of people's heart. I mean, you know, it's a long, cold winter coming to the end. It's, it's the boys of summer for good reason because the majority of the season is played in the summer. There's a romanticism uh, with it that maybe you don't see with other sports. So it's, it's terrific. Uh, lots of reasons to be excited here in Toronto. There's a lot of rule changes. It's a different game. The ballpark has been uh, not completely remade, but substantially mm -hmm. uh, remade for people who will be at the games. And the roster has, I think, been quite improved since uh, we last left off uh, in October in that terrible loss to Seattle. So, yes, bring it on. 
Uh, as you mentioned, that, that roster does look dramatically different, and it's something we'll dive into um, in more specifics throughout this conversation. But I wanted to just start as a whole with you. Seeing this roster and how everything lines up heading into day one tomorrow, Roger, would you have a raised expectation level for this group compared to the group that finished last year, like you mentioned, with that disappointing playoff loss to Seattle? It would be hard for me to raise my expectations any higher, Logan, because I've always had uh, the last several seasons high expectations for the Blue Jays. But do I expect them uh, to be better? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I expect them to be better. I think they are uh, a more well-rounded team. I think uh, with the additions that they made, they addressed specific areas of concern, which are, you know, massive uh, to, uh, to do. So not only did they bring in players that I like and think they can help, they brought them in in key spots, uh, you know, adding Bassett to the rotation as an example. You know, they, at the end of the season, it was, well, the bullpen maybe isn't deep enough. The They could use some more starting pitching, uh, a little bit more depth. Uh, they don't, they're too much of a home run element team. They don't know other ways to score. They need some professionalism. And if you look at all the moves they made, Logan, in the offseason, you get tick, 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 tick next to them. The box is tick now. Is it good enough to to beat a juggernaut Yankee team? Is it good enough to, to you know, uh, make a serious run for, for a championship? We'll see. But my expectations are that they will. And I'll be absolutely stunned if this team doesn't make the postseason this year. Remember, the expanded uh, playoff format mm-hmm. is, is in effect. So the Jays certainly uh, made it last year. And I think they can make it comfortably this year. So I think expectations are very high. And there's every reason to have those high expectations. That comes with some pressure. We'll see how they uh, handle it. How did you look back at the last couple of weeks for spring training uh, for John Schneider's group here, Roger? Was it uh, a case in your mind of uh, no news can be good news for this Toronto Blue Jays team over the last couple of weeks in Florida? Yeah, you don't want any news coming out of spring training because news that comes out of spring training is usually bad because somebody got hurt or, you know, there's been uh, underachieving. Somebody has really come into camp and with some physical concerns. So it's that's the the worst worry of spring training. I, I don't pay much attention at all, Logan, to spring training, to be honest with you. This day and age, I think the thing is just an exercise and it's a business for the owners. That's why it's still as long as it is with the exhibition games. They're, they're really not necessary. And I think that's why by the time the regular season starts more, everyone's chomping at the bit saying, let's go, let's go, because we've seen enough of these exhibition games, these friendlies, as they call them, uh, in soccer. There weren't very many questions to be answered heading in uh, to spring training this year because of all the moves and the depth on the roster. And it's played out pretty much the way you expect it to. Team enters the start of the season healthy which is terrific, uh, deep, I think, mm. and ready to play. So let's start those games. I think for a lot of people, myself included, I'm with you. I, I just I can't get behind as much uh, of spring training baseball as some can consume. I think for me, it was more of an exercise of adjusting to all those new rule changes, the pitch clock, of course, being uh, a big one. How did you see the, the rule changes affecting the game and you think it was a positive? Have you liked the changes? I guess just your general thoughts on, on some of the big rule swaps that we saw starting in spring training. Well, the end of the day, uh, at the start of the season, I guess I should say, not the end of the day, Logan, I, I was nervous about them. I, I'm more of a traditionalist. I, like a lot of people, would like to see the pace of the game increase. But one of the beauties of baseball is the flow, that it had no clock. So I was nervous. And I got to tell you, like I said, I don't watch a lot of spring training baseball, but I watched and followed a lot of it um, 
through my duties as one of the Blue Jays' official scorers here to get up to snuff on these rule changes, the clock, how it applies to the official scorer's job all the way down. And I'm very impressed. Uh, my goodness, when you think – and, you know, we'll see. When the games get serious, when they start counting, maybe maybe we're going to have some issues. But there were virtually no complaints from anybody about how it went, and the games were 20 to 30 minutes quicker. I mean, that's a resounding success. So, and especially over 162 regular season games, uh, the pace of the game can be, uh, um, you know, shortened. The games can be shortened without ruining the game. And that's a tough thing to do. Then it's great. And so far, that's exactly what's happened. I don't, I one or two times, you know, you see things over a course of a spring where, yeah, a game is decided because a batter didn't get set in the, the batter's box quick enough or an automatic ball or automatic strike, whatever. But over the course of a lengthy uh, spring training schedule, that's pretty good. So I like it. I like I like the bigger basis. I like the emphasis on speed. I like the elimination of the shift. I like most of the changes. I think it's going to it's going to make for a different game. The traditionalist might, you know, smirk a little bit at the start of the season but if it works as well in the regular season as it is worked in spring training i think everybody's going to like uh, the new look of baseball how important was it uh, for Yusei Kikuchi to have the kind of spring training that he had for this group i think depth on the starting rotation is still something that we'll talk about at different parts of this season roger but to head into you know the first cycle of games here with Yusei Kikuchi looking like he can be a regular contributor to the starting rotation has to be a big positive for John Schneider and his crew. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Five and five reliable starters are totally necessary. Even when you've got a one, two punch in Manoa and Gosman, that's as good as any one, two punch, I think in baseball. And I don't say that like uh, lightly, both those guys are, are studs. And of course, adding Chris Bassett as the third, but you're right. Um, how, how good and how much more improved that pitching staff is going to be is going to come from the improvement of Kikuchi and Barrios who have both had, you know, and when Kikuchi's season last year was terrible, let's just call it what it was. And, and Barrio certainly was nowhere near where he had been in previous seasons either. But if, but if either of or both of those guys can get back to even somewhat close to the kind of form they have shown in their major league careers over a good stretch of time, then this five-man rotation is really excellent. And yes, you know, what does spring training mean? Um, well, Kikuchi was probably pitching for his job. You know, he, yeah. he was out of the rotation at the end of last season, and now he's the fifth starter. And, you know, you can always have tried to pick up another starter or brought somebody up from Buffalo early to address it, and they're confident enough in him, as they should be based on the spring, to give him that number five role. So, yes, of, of all the things in spring training, that was probably the most encouraging. You, this this roster is a veteran roster now, although they're still relatively young. They are major league experienced veteran now. And so you know what you're going to get. So you're not going to be surprised one way or the other or disappointed one way or the other about spring. But boy, they were really hoping to see a bounce back from Kikuchi. And we've seen it always different when the regular season starts, but uh, he was very impressive. Speaking of veterans, I, I was very intrigued by the off season for the Jays uh, in bringing in two guys, specifically veteran guys that are going to, I think play a big role when it's all said and done. And that's of course, Kevin Kiermeyer and Brandon Belt, I think it leads to a word that you've used a couple of times here, Roger, in, in versatility, but I also think it leads to, I don't know if professional is the right word, but just a, a different approach for this Jays team with two guys like that who take winning so seriously and are two veterans that 
I don't think are just there to to pass the time and hope that maybe they can get to another title. I think these are are two guys that are looking to come and contribute to this Jays team in a in a pretty serious way at this point in their careers. I totally agree with that. This isn't a end of career kind of signings, even though they're short term deals and both players come with some injury concerns. I totally agree with that, and I think the word professional is is the right one to use. They are pros. They are pros. Pros. They are battlers. They are tough outs. They are clubhouse leaders. Um, Belt has a, has a little bit of a reputation of, of being out there, but you kind of like that thing. These guys are solid major league veteran players who have won and now are playing to make sure their careers last another five, six, seven years. Some people suggesting maybe both of them are going to be out of the game a bit early because of the injuries and, and being let go from the t- previous teams they were in. I like both additions very, very much. There is no question about it. And I especially like it now, Logan, that with the new rule changes, the emphasis is now on defense. It is on um, outfield defense, especially with the changes to the Rogers Center ballpark, higher fences brought in a little bit, going to be more of a ping pong match. The idea of a Kevin Kiermeyer out in the outfield handling that is fantastic. And you think of that outfield of Kiermeyer, Springer, and Varsho, that is terrific. Now, not much outfield debt, adept uh, Nathan Lukes gets the other uh, outfield position but those two guys bring a presence to the to, to the locker room uh, belts a guy who's you know going to be uh, the primary designated hitter it looks like and perfect role for him so I think getting experience and people that have won championships this is the kind of team with the Vladdy's and Springer you know the pardon me Vladdy and uh, and Bichette, the younger upcoming stars who are just on the cusp of being leaders themselves, that's perfect uh, accompaniment to them. Perfect. Guys who have won, who have been there, and can act as that quasi-leader role while those guys develop into the leaders they're going to be in yet maybe another year or two or three. I think Vladi and, and Bichette are leaders in the club right now, but these two guys bring an awful lot, as does Don Mattingly, mm-hmm. uh, bringing him in. Same thing, uh, Logan, uh, you talked professional. There's another pro's pro. There's another guy who's won at the major league level. There's another guy with experience in the managerial role uh, to really help out. I think it fits it well, and it ties in well with, um, you know, John Schneider and, and what he's trying to do. And, Logan, I don't think we can emphasize enough how different it is for a manager's first spring training. Like he, he was brought in relatively early in the season last year. The Jays had some good success. They made the playoffs. We know, we all know how it went down. So clearly, you know, he, he got along with the players, but now it's his team. The spring training is where you see the manager's input and right off the bat talking about professionalism and, you know, let's, let's park the home run jacket and let's, let's be more serious in, in our approach. Well, you're bringing in guys like Kiermaier and Belt. That's exactly the kind of guys the manager wants to have influencing those younger players. So now not only are Vladdy and Bichette listening to the manager talk about professionalism, they're listening to teammates talk about professionalism. Can't say enough about those guys. Yeah, I love your point about Don Mattingly there too. I think that's going to be one of those under-the-radar things when we talk about this Jays season all day long, and I've loved hearing from some of our Sportsnet colleagues out in, you know, in Dunedin that, oh, hey, you know, uh, a guy like Don Mattingly, who played first base so well during his major league tenure, has been stapled to a guy like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first base, or that him and Bo Bichette are having these long 
conversations about baseball and you know the philosophy to playing the position I think that is just something that is going to go such a long way for these players Roger but also for a guy like John Schneider like you just mentioned going through this first you know real go through of, of a year and managing this team with high expectations I can only see Don Mattingly being a, a very positive for this group well, especially true, you know, in a sport that is dominated by analytics and stats and, and, and numbers, those are intangibles. You can't measure. You cannot measure what the value of adding Don Mattingly to the coaching staff is. You can't plot that on a graph. There isn't a number, but it's shown in the clubhouse. It's shown in the guys, how they react and their level of confidence. And yes, the sharing of experiences, the stories, just being able to talk to somebody who has been there. He's a key uh, element to this. And, and I think, you know, the Blue Jays have made it quite clear. They're very confident in John Schneider as the manager. Mattingly, at, at this stage of the career, is, I'm sure, very happy to be the bench coach. There's none of that awkwardness of, well, this guy's just here in case I, I mess up and it's a management change. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, that, that can happen at any place at any time. But there's no sense of that this time. This is everybody wanting to rally together here, make the best of this talent, and get close to and hopefully win a championship if they can. So no doubt. I think he's, uh, we haven't talked much about him yet overall, but by, uh, as the season goes on, I think we're going to be talking a lot more about the influence Don Mangley has in that clubhouse. I'm turning all things Toronto Blue Jays ahead of their season opener against the St. Louis Cardinals tomorrow uh, with our pal Roger Lajoie from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. Uh, Raj, one area we haven't chatted much on yet, but has probably seen the biggest change personnel-wise uh, into the offseason has been the new-look outfield. And one guy in particular I'd love to get your thoughts on is Dalton Varshaw, who I think you know has come in and is going to be a, a very vital part of this Blue Jays team and what they want to do offensively, but also with some of those other areas. Defensively, he's very strong, adds some good speed to the base pass for this Jays team. Uh, I think Jays fans are quickly going to fall in love with this guy. It was a big price to pay uh, from the Arizona Diamondbacks to bring him in, but I think this is going to be a guy who quickly makes a mark on this Jays team. Uh, agree totally. He can play all three outfield positions. Uh, he's got tremendous power. Uh, he's hitting now in a ballpark that is very friendly to hitters, although we'll see how the home runs either. I, I suspect they'll probably decrease a little bit with the new configuration of the ballpark, but mm-hmm. regardless, he still brings that element to the game. He is another guy who, who is a veteran. Um, 100%. I expect him, uh, Logan, to be just uh, – play the vast majority of the games out there of course everything being equal that he stays healthy but it's a terrific addition and he's he's one of those additions they bring in you know like at the start of the offseason all the talk is about the major free agents and the big players and the big names out there and then when a deal is made for a player like that and then which kind of forces all of us to take a look at what kind of a player he is it makes you realize why weren't people clamoring for a deal for a player like that before <laughs> instead of just the, the sexy free agent who's out there who's, who's getting all the money. I love that move right from the start. I thought that is a, another piece of this. And especially, again, you know, I think most people are aware, Rogers Center, they've, they've brought in the walls a little bit and they've increased the size of the fences. And the early expectation is that there are going to be a lot of balls bouncing around in the outfield 
uh, compared to previously and may not be as many home runs, although with the fences in, we'll see about that. But end of the day, and especially now with no shift, remember the shift is eliminated, so that means balls are going to be splayed all over the place. It isn't, you can't put your shortstop in the, in the middle of the outfield now and, and you know, take the pressure off the outfield uh, defense. Outfield defensive is now of paramount importance. And what a time to bring him in. Anna Kiermaier. How much ground? And, and by the way, there's another guy out, uh, out there, if he stays healthy, named Springer. He's not a pretty good outfielder, too. <laughs> yeah. So you got to feel good about that group. There, there's no question about it. But, yeah, big-time move. You pay a price, but that's what you do when you make deals. I, I love that deal. Just the one lefty in the bullpen heading into uh, tonight one or day one tomorrow, I should say. Is that a, a bit of a concern for you, Roger, when it comes to the versatility out of the bullpen or are the names that they've brought in versatile enough to, to handle the lefty-righty matchups, even if it's not in the Jays' favor? That's a, that's a good question, and I think every, everyone has a different view on that. I, I'm of the side, Logan, that I don't care if he's a lefty or a righty. Can he get lefty or righties out? That is the question. Obviously, you'd like another look. Obviously, a couple of lefties to go with multiple righties makes it easier to mix and match. But end of the day, I would rather have a great right-handed reliever pitching than a lefty just because I want to mix it up and have a couple of lefties on my staff. Can they get hitters out? What are their numbers in pressure situations? Yeah, I, I sort of thought we'd see another. I know T- Tim Mays is still out there, but I thought they might pick and really make that a priority. But I'm comfortable with the bullpen. I think it's good enough. And I also like the fact with the starting pitching, and this is where Bassett comes in, another guy I think is going to chew up some innings. And if you can get a comeback season from Barrios and Kikuchi, your bullpen is going to be much more well-rested, mm-hmm. far less taxed, and that's going to make them better. You'll say, like, well, how do you get a good bullpen? You get a good bullpen that's not tired. Well, how do you keep the bullpen fresh? Let the starters go deeper <laughs> into the game. So simple, eh? Yeah. Isn't it simple? You say that. <laughs> well, of course, naturally. Well, why don't teams do it then? You know, well, they don't do it because starters aren't or can't pitch deep into games, and there's all kinds of mixing and matching. The game is so full of analytics now. I, I, I want my bullpen or the Jays bullpen or any team's bullpen you're talking about to be able to get outs and the left-handed right-handed matchup in a perfect world. You have a couple of lefties, but if your righties can get guys out, then you're fine. Does anybody talk about, you know, uh, it's ridiculous. He's a starter, but show Otani facing left-handers or right-handers or Alec Manoa facing left-handers or right-handers who cares yeah. that discussion goes out. They're just great pitchers. They're just great pitchers who get outs, period. Hopefully the bullpen on a, a, a you know total basis, all those guys out there, Garcia, Bass, Swanson, Jordan Romano, of course, Simber, uh, Pop, uh, Trevor Richards, I guess is the other one. Yep. I think I got them all. That's, that's a good group collectively, left or right-handed. Uh, last one for you here, Roger, before we let you go. Always appreciate the time. We talk about those two big stars for the Toronto Blue Jays, and you obviously think about Vladdy and Bo if this season is to to live up to expectations for the Toronto Blue Jays, do both of these guys need to to live up to expectations? Or I guess let me put that a different way: Is there a guy? Is it between Bo and and Vladdy that you think really needs to stand out for this team to get to the level that they want to get to? 
Well, the expectations is the hard part to, to, to quantify, uh, Logan, because the expectations for Vladdy have been through, you know, uh, to the moon and back since he yeah. came into Major League Baseball. And last year, he kind of, you know, reverted a little bit more to the normal just star as opposed to a guy who would have been the MVP if Sho Otani wasn't playing baseball two years ago. So you kind of think that's the guy. But here's the thing, uh, as, as much as an individual game baseball is because of batters, pitchers, and at-bats and everything else, it's still a team effort. And I don't think it really matters which of those guys, but nobody, if the Blue Jays want to be a 95 to 100 teams uh, win team, and they're, they're going to need that to win the division this year with how good the Yankees are. If they want to be that good and a team that can go deep into the playoffs, you can't have too many off years by too many guys. And especially you cannot have off years from your top guys. So I don't know what people are expecting from Vladdy. They're expecting a year like two years ago and uh, just a, maybe a, that could that could turn out to be the best year of his career. Who knows? It doesn't have to be that good for the Blue Jays to succeed because of all the other weapons around them. If everybody reverts to their norm, and sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but if it's one of those seasons where this roster plays the way they have played most of their careers, this is among the top teams in baseball. And Vladi and Bichette would have to be the top two guys on that. But I think they need a contribution from everybody. They need George Springer healthy. Kikuchi's got to continue to do that. So I wouldn't put any undue expectations or pressure on, on any of those guys. With that lineup, they're going to beat a lot of guys in a lot of different ways. And if everybody is close to their best numbers don't have to have their best numbers but mm-hmm. if they're close to their best numbers watch out this is a great ball club uh really looking forward to tomorrow finally here uh regular season baseball kicks off with the jays and the cardinals uh roger thanks so much for doing this as always pal i love uh, getting to chat some baseball with you uh whenever we can enjoy the game tomorrow and i can't wait to check in with you uh in a couple weeks and chat more jays baseball hey Always my pleasure, Logan. Thank you. Always fun to be on your show. And yes, play ball indeed. We'll talk soon. Take care. Roger Lejoie joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon from our sister station, Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. Jays and Cardinals kicking off the regular season in baseball tomorrow. We'll have that game for you right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Plenty of Jays coverage coming your way uh, throughout the spring and summer. And of course, hopefully into the fall when we're talking about the Toronto Blue Jays uh, and their playoff hopes. But that's going to do it for us here on Sportsnet today. Thank you to Roger and Peter Labardius for joining us. Those interviews will be up on the podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast: Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher. Of course, the show's up just minutes after every hour. we got to make way for Haley Salvian, the one and only Haley Salvian. She's got you for the next hour for Hockey Central 960. Uh, Don't miss Flames Talk coming up a little bit later on as well with Pat Steinberg. We'll be back tomorrow for a Thursday edition of Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.